Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. My name is Duncan Clark, and welcome to the podcast. For this podcast, we have the opportunity to dial into Bulgaria, where we'll be joining James Meads. James advises on cloud-based procurement technology solutions that improve spend visibility and organizational efficiency and drive down costs through the power of good data. And he's aligned his business to focus on the three mega trends which will shape procurement and supply chain for the next five years, namely driving digitization, improving sustainability and reducing supply chain risk. James also has a podcast and YouTube channel, so I'm delighted that he's been able to take out some time today uh, to talk to us. So welcome, James, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you for asking me and pleasure to be here. So first of all, could you tell us a bit more about your background and some of the projects that you've been working on recently? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in the UK and uh, completed my education there and then started out in the automotive industry uh, for Jaguar Land Rover as a graduate trainee and then progressed from there uh, to work for uh, tier one suppliers in the automotive industry. Uh, one of those facilitated a move to Germany where I actually spent most of my professional career. And then after the 2008 recession, decided I wanted to work in an industry that was a little bit less volatile uh, and went to work for a company that made toilet paper, which can't get more recession proof than that. eh? Um, and uh, yeah, stayed in the FMCG industry right up until the end of 2018 when I left the corporate world to, uh, to start my own business. Um, in terms of what I've been working on, uh, the most recent project that I'm still actively engaged in actually is with uh, is with a global aviation solutions provider, and uh, and I'm looking there at improving their processes around a lot of the day-to-day transactional spend uh, in their repair stations where they really didn't have much in the way of process um, and also conducting a, a global tender for freight and transportation procurement and true to form I actually introduced a, a digital tool that we're that we're using to do that which is specifically set up to run tenders uh, for transportation and freight and takes into account a lot of the nuances and a lot of the specific uh, costs that need to be broken down when you're getting rate cards for, for freight tenders. Fantastic. Lots lots keeping you busy there. And um, another thing I noticed is you mentioned in uh, some of your materials how in order for cloud-based procurement technology solutions to deliver all of those fantastic benefits that we talked about uh, a moment ago, such as business efficiencies, driving down cost and so on. This all relies on the power of good data. And I was wondering from your perspective, what is the connection between the two and is the significance of the data piece always acknowledged? Yeah, it's a great question. And it, and with a risk of saying something really obvious, if you put garbage into one of these digital tools, you're going to get garbage out. It's a, it's a bit like buying a Ferrari and then trying to drive it at 100, 100 miles per hour down a dirt track um, to, to use the best sort of visual analogy to, uh, to explain what I mean there. And the most common way that this manifests itself is if the if you if you're using a spend analytics tool or a, a risk management tool or contract management tool or any sort of digital piece of procurement technology and your data is rubbish 
then you're going to get a massive chunk of spend that just comes out as being uncategorized or or that you're not going to be able to see all of your spend for one particular vendor or parent company under the same umbrella if you've got multiple vendor masters or typos in your purchase order data so to to an extent and i and, and you know i accept that not every company is going to have the same resources available to them to clean their data but it's really like if you've if you've got budget to spend on procurement tech then you really need to do the unsexy work first to make sure that your data is in a serviceable state to get some sort of results from what you're investing in and of course, like any cloud-based software category, solutions in procurement technologies are no different. They're wide-ranging. The market is fragmented. So big question, I guess, but what's your advice for people who need to get to grips with the technology landscape here? And, and where on earth do you start? Bring in some external expertise because, I mean, OK, I'm, I'm kind of selling my own services by selling that, but by, by saying that, but if your if if your organization has no expertise in this area and you're going to spend 6 months researching the market and then doing and then doing RFIs that really are pointless if you bring someone in that's got the expertise to sort of get you where, to where you need to be in a much shorter period of time then the ROI on that investment is is really a no-brainer so you know, I'm not the only person that does this there are other solutions out there but talk to someone that can guide you through getting you to the point of you know being able to be in a position you know to quote the spice girls of being able to tell suppliers what you really really want because if you if you're not in that position and you're vague in terms of your requirements then it, you're going to spend a lot longer on the journey to being at the point when you can launch an RFP or even identify a vendor perhaps outside of doing an RFP that gives you exactly what you need because this is this is more around a service and solutions-based discussion rather than a cost-based discussion. Of course, you've got to bring it in on budget, but just sending out an RFP to 10 different solutions providers that may be wildly different in what they can offer is kind of a futile exercise if, if you don't do the homework up front and, and really understand what you want to get out of it as a business. Um, you know, if you're a if you're a business that spends 80% of your supplier spend on on raw materials and it's coming from a very consolidated supply base then you probably don't need a contract management tool whereas if you're a professional services company you know you're not going to need something that that runs risk management exposure on suppliers in China for example and you're an advocate of best of breed solutions and certainly from our experience this is a category that's growing significantly but i wondered from your perspective why is that a fast-growing category, and what do you see as the benefits? Yeah, I think it, there, there are two things here. So the first, the first thing, and it's a bit of a cliche, but if you if you want cheap, fast, and good, you can usually only have two out of three. With best of breed digital procurement solutions, you can, to to a certain extent, get three out of three here. So it's all around the faster, smarter, better. So a best of breed solution is not going to do is not going to do the whole range of things as well as as an enterprise level solution could because they tend to be much more of a catch all solution. So if you're an enterprise level client and you're looking at digitizing your entire procurement landscape, 
then you know a solution like a, an SAP Ariba or Cooper or Jagger or Evalua may be the right solution for you. But if you've got a specific itch that you need to scratch that is going to deliver more value faster the, than going through the due diligence and all of the IT consulting that's required to make this enterprise level digital procurement solution talk to your ERP and your existing solutions. That's going to take months, probably years with a, a best of breed solution in, in whichever niche or whatever bucket that you're looking to do it is going to get you there a lot faster. And it's it's going to get, often give you payback in weeks and months. And it also it, it democratizes the landscape a little bit and makes this technology available to medium-sized businesses. You know, you don't have to be billion pound or dollar corporations to be able to, to leverage this. And you know, speaking from actual examples that I know, you can get a, a very robust, good-looking Amazon-esque interface for a P2P solution for about $20,000 a year, depending on how many users you're going to have uh, and what you want it to do. So that is a lot more attainable to, let's say, a 50 million or 100 million pound or euro business than than something that's aimed at enterprise level clients and has a price tag to match. And we've seen digitization is very much on the agenda. But the other one that you mentioned is sustainability as one of the three mega trends. And I just I wondered, what are you seeing here and why do businesses also need to understand the implications of this? And also, what, what do you think the future holds here? I think in looking at it just very pragmatically without you know any of the environmental benefits that it brings, because there's something in it for the companies themselves to do something, and that, that can be both in terms of energy or efficiency savings, I'm particularly thinking in manufacturing businesses here that, that drive their bottom line, um, but also in terms of brand equity. You know, as as more and more millennials and Gen Z have an influence on on what is bought and become, you know, the most important consumers. If we're talking consumer goods brands or uh, or, or you know any 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 sort of clothing or any sort of retail, that's really going to drive what the brand stands for. So both in terms of looking at it from manufacturing businesses' perspective there's something in it for them to reduce their operating costs, to reduce their waste, to reduce their rework, to reduce their energy, to reduce the amount of raw materials that they're using right the way through. So if it's a more consumer focused brand, the brand equity that it gives them through being more sustainable and focusing on on things that their end customer wants. It's great that you mentioned brand equity there, because, of course, this is an agenda that's also being driven somewhat by the consumer. And I guess the other um, issue that uh, that relates to brand equity is of course getting things on the shelf as well and we've seen this a little bit in terms of risk in the supply chain not least because of some of the high profile events such as COVID, the Suez Canal crisis both come to mind. What are the lessons learned from these events and also what do you think needs to be changing as a result of these lessons that we've learned? I think probably the biggest one is it's made it's made the average Joe aware of what procurement is and 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 what we as a profession do. I mean, supply chain risk usually comes from the fact that companies don't really know what they're spending and where. I I, I always I mean I say this a lot, but every company knows what they sell. Not very com not very many companies truly understand what they buy. 
and just like you wouldn't send an HR manager or a marketing assistant or a maintenance engineer to go and sell your product to a customer, they shouldn't be allowed anywhere near supplier negotiations for the exact same reason. It's madness. But but this is what happens day to day in in very big businesses. I'm not just talking about SMEs. You know, there are multi-billion dollar corporations uh, that that have you know logistics managers managing a forklift truck contract or uh, or, or or HR managers managing uh, you know thing, th- things like workplace software. It's it's crazy. I mean, yes, they need to know they they need to determine what they want in it, but they shouldn't be negotiating the conditions. And the same applies to any sort of supply chain blips that have happened now. A lot of it is because just the data around what's purchased isn't as good in most organizations as the data of what's being sold. And because these often have been in silos with poor visibility, that's driving now going back to the whole technology discussion, the need to have supply chain and procurement data in a in a single source of truth that is accessible in the cloud and you know, the contracts aren't on people's C drives that just seem to disappear when people leave the company or move on to a different function. So I think this is whole, you know, without getting into the pros and cons of things like nearshoring and bringing manufacturing closer to home, I think just visibility of data is the big thing that has come out of this. Well, I think some great points to think about there. And of course, a lot of people want to continue this this discussion. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about what's next for you and also how people can engage and, and connect with you. Yeah, in terms of what's next, I mean, I, I really want to grow my business around being able to make these best of breed solutions more visible to, to businesses that maybe not are not aware of they exist, that they exist or what the advantages are of having a good, well-run uh, procurement and supply chain function. So really in terms of leading with a spend analytics solution to businesses so as they can then sort of see the wood from the trees and and understand where the optimization opportunities are and also offering things that can as part of the sustainability that can help with things like good data from manufacturing systems and and helping to reduce energy and co2 as as part of a way to to reduce costs other than the more traditional um in, in more traditional cost reduction exercises that procurement pros would have done in the past so that's really the direction sort of medium term that that I want to go into to really just match and try and leave a legacy of you know doing something that makes me proud and uh, and that will also drive benefits for the businesses that I work for um in terms of best place to connect I mean LinkedIn is the place where I'm most active uh, I am also on Twitter and have a website too, but the easiest way to connect and and link in and, and, and get a response is just to connect with me on LinkedIn. If you search for me, James Meads, M-E-A-D-S, I'm, I'm pretty visible on there and would be great to connect with anyone in this space. Fantastic. Well, thanks once again for joining us this morning and uh, it was great to talk and, and good luck with all of that. And also thanks to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.pix.com.